American, and um, we're feeling very grateful and thankful. Can you believe that it's Thanksgiving week already? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm already anticipating the good smells of Thanksgiving, the, the turkey, the, the, the stuffing, the pumpkin pie. Um, you can believe at my house those are really good smells. I uh, was thinking that my inner man is like the character Alexander Yardley in Christmas in Connecticut, the 1945 version, where he's a man with big jowls and a huge, huge belly and a booming voice, and he seems to relish the anticipation of sumptuous food more than the actual consumption of it. That's kind of how I'm feeling. But I love this season even more because we get to cultivate and adorn and exude thankfulness to God in our lives. Here are some scriptures that highlight thankfulness and uh, having a thankful heart. Psalm 100 verse 4 talks about worship, that we're told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. In our private lives, we can take note of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How about in prayer? In prayer, we read that verse that Bill already cited, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then in the congregation, uh, Psalm 35, 18, I will give thanks in the great congregation, and you are a great congregation. I will praise thee among a mighty throng. So I want to do just, I want to do this morning just that. I want to uh, highlight for you seven ways that I'm thankful or seven things that I'm thankful for. Obviously, you would come up with your own list, uh, but I'd, I'd ask that you uh, listen to mine. I guess you don't have much choice. <laughs> you, you can leave, but um, I hope you won't do that. First of all, I want to say that I am thankful for our veterans. I'm thankful for our veterans and our current service members. This past Monday was Veterans Day, wasn't it? And whenever I meet a veteran for the first time, I want to very seriously and genuinely thank them for their service. That allows me to be free and to worship the way I choose, to enjoy a good barbecue out in the yard, all those kinds of things. This morning I'd like to highlight one of our dearly loved veterans, Bob McWilliams. Here is Bob this past weekend flying in an open cockpit plane. Bob, I think this is a PT-19, is that correct? PT-19. Larry Gregory was good enough to give up his spot 
so that, uh, so that Bob could fly, be sure and fly. Bob wanted to be in the Air Force, but he ended up in the Navy in the Korean War on the USS Toledo. He came out of that uh, war with tuberculosis so bad that he had to take a full year to recover. We're thankful to Bob for his service as well as all our other veteran heroes and current service members. I'd like to have the veterans stand and let's give them a hand and then we're going to pray for you the way you prayed for us. Jim, I'd like you to come and offer that prayer. Let's gather around these now and give a prayer of thanksgiving for their service. We think of the videos that we watched last week of our brothers and sisters of the persecuted church and realize, Lord, that is very possible, yea, even probable, that we would be in similar situations were it not for the men and women who have bore the uniform and have fought for our liberty yes, and preserved the way of life, O oh God, that we have. So, Lord, we thank you not only for the fact that these were willing to go, even those that have conscripted, but Lord, that through them you have preserved our land. We thank you for the wives and children who paid the price in the absence of husbands and fathers and loved ones. Oh God, we ask you to bless these men and women. Bless them, oh God, as we give thanksgiving for the manner in which they have served us. Through Jesus, amen. Let's thank him again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Along with that, I just want to note thanks to ministries that are taking off to do a better job serving our service members. I think of Mary Ligon and the Coffee Bunker. I also think of on TV, you see... Wounded Warrior Project and others. Hopefully we're doing a better job of taking care of our service members. Secondly, I'd like to thank or express thanksgiving for our long-term missionaries. Amen. In the early days of TCF, the leadership team and the congregation prayed, God, please take our best. Please take our best. And God answered that prayer and continue still to answer that prayer. I think our missionaries model for us perhaps better than any other demographic that this is not our home. Many missionaries return to the States and for a long time the 
have incredible difficulty adjusting. They feel uprooted. They feel homeless, as it were, um, as if they don't fit in anywhere. Thank God heaven is our true home. I'd like to highlight the foxes right now and show some pictures of the foxes as an example of some current missionaries on the field. If you talk to the inner, uh, In His Image doctoral people, they will say that Dave is one of the most brilliant doctors they have ever had in their training program. Dave and, and Tammy, Caleb, Elijah, and Abby are serving in the Horn of Africa. It's a dry desert country with no known Christians. Interestingly, Dave is afraid of mice and bugs. He's a picky eater, and um, he loves Starbucks, which is kind of in short supply in that region of the world. He gives a funny talk at the beginning of each year with his re new, new resident doctors, his medical students, where he writes up on the board, why am I here? And he lists some incredibly funny reasons, like the first one is that he says, I want to make a lot of money. And his, his students laugh at that. And then he says, I get cold if it's less than 105 degrees. <laughs> then he says, uh, probably the funniest one, I want more wives. <laughs> but in the end, he says to his students, the real reason I'm here is because I love you. And they don't quite know what to do with that. And initially don't believe it. But as the course of the year goes by, they come to believe it. And of course, Dave is a passionate and fiery evangelist for Jesus Christ. And so they know uh, the motivation of that love is rooted in God. They trust him. Bill, Bill and I were talking this week, and Bill was emphasizing how uh, despite coming from another land, being of another, another faith, they grow to, to really trust David. And Tammy, of course, is the glue that makes everything work. I just read in her, their, their re most recent newsletter that she homeschools and she works hard to figure out how beef, onions, and tomatoes can be made into something new every dinner time because that's, that's what they have. And... Uh, She's a wonderful, stabilizing influence on Dave. Let's pray for our missionaries and give thanks for them. I've asked Bill to come to the floor, Mike, and pray for these excellent ambassadors for Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the privilege of partnering. Excuse me, Bill. Let's have, let's have our former and current long-term missionaries stand, too, and let's gather around them and pray. I meant to do that. I'm sorry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of partnering with these who are here and the many who are not here. All literally around the world, Lord God, you give us the privilege of partnering with these people. Yes, Jesus. As they give up so much to serve you in some very hard places, Father God. We're grateful, Lord, for these people. We're grateful that you love the people of the lands to which you send them enough to send them our very best. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for their sacrificial gift of time and energy and 
resources and family life and all the things that they do indeed sacrifice to some degree or another to serve you in these places and to touch lives in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for each one of them, especially as we begin this holiday season, knowing that for many of them, uh, holiday seasons are difficult because they're away from family, they're away from friends, they're away from home. So, Lord, we pray that especially this holiday season, you would bless them and encourage them in you, that they would know the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and that that would bring strength and encouragement to them, Heavenly Father. We pray for your full equipping for each one. We pray, Heavenly Father, that each one would be equipped to serve you, Father, in their land, the land that you have called them to. We pray for all the relationships that they build in these different parts of the world, Lord God, some in very, very difficult places. We pray that these relationships would bear fruit. And, Father, that fruit would bring you glory as people come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the heartbeat of this church, which is our missions. We thank you, Father, that you have called us to be a church that sends missionaries, that prays for missionaries, that supports missionaries. And, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to always be faithful to that call and to never shirk that call or undermine it in any way. But, Lord, that you would equip us to be faithful to that call. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, and we do pray a true prayer of thanksgiving for each one of our missionaries, all of the families, all the individuals that serve you in various places around the world. Bless them and encourage them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give our long-term missionary families a hand of appreciation. Thanks to the Lord. Third, I want to say that I am thankful for the Word of God. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord, the Word of God, stands forever. Two weeks ago, Laura and I were coming back from our vacation time in uh, Minnesota, and we stopped and spent a couple days with my folks. And um, this was the week before the election, and on the Minnesota ballot was a something called the Minnesota Marriage Amendment. And in Minnesota, homosexual marriage is illegal at this time, but there was an effort to further uh, seal the deal, if you will, by um, conservative groups wanting to um, add a amendment to the state constitution that marriage is between one man and one woman. Well, um, my parents and I have very different worldviews, and my parents were saying uh, to me, uh, Jim, why would you limit marriage to a man and a woman only? Isn't that discriminatory? And um, it was a beautiful chance uh, to explain the concept of the authority of the Word of God, that I settled it long ago that I needed some kind of authority in my life by which to make consistent and godly decisions, and that it couldn't be just my mind, you know, my individual mind thinking I know more than anybody. It couldn't 
just be the capriciousness of my feelings that I had to have a source outside of myself that was authoritative and reliable and for me that is the Word of God. Um, I was able to um, tell them that as a minister I'm responsible for receiving and then handing down to further generations um, a received gospel. In other words, I can't, um, it's not up to me to mold or shape or massage the Word of God to create my own comfortable little religion. Do you guys agree with that? That we are responsible to receive a body of authoritative scripture and traditions and hand those down and even contend for those. Like Jude 1.3 says, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. It's amazing how foreign a concept that is to our culture that there would be something other than our human minds and feelings that would be our, our source of authority. I told my folks that I really appreciate the Unitarians uh, because in their literature they, they flatly state unequivocally that the single individual human mind is the final authority. And that's why in a Unitarian church you can have a conservative minister preach the gospel one Sunday and a witch preach the next Sunday because it's up to the individual human mind to decide what um, is authoritative for the individual. So this marriage amendment was a great um, opportunity to discuss with my parents the authority of the word. We, uh, that sense that we're a part of a historic chain of faith and tradition that we have received and are passing on to future generations is key, isn't it, for a biblical worldview. And um, I was able to beg the question with them, I think, what is your source of authority? Is it your human mind? Is it your feelings? Is it the Democratic Party? Or is it liberal thinking? Or is it your feelings? Or just what is your source of authority. I was able, I think, to do what one author says, and that is to put a pebble in their shoe, do something that will help them think, stay in their minds and, and help them think. Yes, I'm thankful for the Word of God. It is sure. It is true. It is reliable. It is the foundation and revelation of God through Jesus Christ upon which we can order our lives and fit comfortably into reality. Have you ever thought about the fact that if you're an atheistic, um, uh, if you're an atheist or you're a humanist or you have to come up with uncomfortable, it, it's uncomfortable to live out of sync in God's reality, out of sync in his world, and how blessed we are to be at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and to understand his word is the right description of reality. Fourth, I'd, I'd like to say I'm thankful for the godly women in our body. 
Amen. Tom, Tom Moan is a minister here in Tulsa, or has been for several years. I think he's retired now, but I like to quote him. He said, there is nothing so beautiful as a woman filled with God. There is nothing so beautiful as a woman filled with God. In fact, I ran into Tom Friday, and I told him I was going to use that quote, and he liked that. I would like to... Uh, expand on that, though, and say sometimes there is nothing so powerful as a woman filled with God. Um, when Linda Steed and uh, Abby and Jim Price and I went to China to work in orphanages um, in the mid-90s, uh, a member of our 16-member team was a German Lutheran nun. Linda and I can't remember our, her name, but I will call her Sister Mary and she was like a four-star general marshalling the troops and the authorities that were over these children. Um, the orphanage was a very, very sad and heart-wrenching environment. Many disabled children, many children who had not been held, or uh, uh, they, many of them were strapped to what they called potty chairs, where there was this cut out in the bottom of the chair so they didn't have to be moved all day. Just a horrible thing. Um, but that didn't stop Sister Mary. She went to the, the authorities and she said, I want to take these kids out of the orphanage. And somehow she persuaded them to let that happen. She went and bought clothes for them. She went and bought shoes for them. And it wasn't long before we were marching out of the orphanage, um, and some were in wheelchairs, some were being carried, some were walking. They had never been out of this orphanage before. Um, we went to the zoo, we went to parks, uh, we even went to a restaurant. And I'll never forget, Linda, I don't know if, if you remember this, you probably do, but watching these kids who've never been outside of their orphanage try a carbonated soda for the first time. And they would want, there were sort of three responses. One was to take a sip and screw up their face, you know, and, and want to get away from it. The second response was to take a sip, screw up their face, and then grab some more. And the third response was not to screw up their face at all, but just go wide-eyed and grab that stuff and, and get as much as they could. Um, but it was a tremendous testimony to me of just being a person of action, this Sister Mary, and, and doing things and getting them done. Christian history is replete with the stories of Christian women who have changed nations, and I'm grateful for the godly wives, mothers, single women, and young women in our body. Amen? Maybe, maybe us men, we could thank the Lord for... The next category, number five, is one that we don't talk about very much, um, but, and that is those among us who are evangelists and gatherers. Um, isn't it a blessing in the body of Christ to have people who are gifted in evangelism and really do what 
Paul admonished Timothy to do, which is do the work of an evangelist. So many of us find that uncomfortable or a challenge, so we're especially grateful to those who are gifted in this way. I think of people like uh, Dawn and Mike Farrell. I think of Steve Sperber, the Guineris, the Manchesters, Carl Eason, the Mackendorfers, the Shepherds in their work with international students at TU. Um, Of course, I can't name them all, but these are just the ones that come immediately to mind. Mike was telling me before the service that he has been nominated to be the chaplain of his his Christian motorcycle gang and uh, association. Sorry, Mike. (laughs) I did say that on purpose. <laughs> but uh, Mike is a great evangelist. Don is a great evangelist, and and I'm sure they don't think so. They just do it, and um, it's marvelous to see the fruitfulness in their lives. But you know, it it it's bigger than that. It's the volunteers at VBS, the Good News Club workers, young people, the Pops Ministry, all working to proclaim the gospel. Um, just before I left on vacation, well, let me back up. I've been praying for some time for myself, uh, feeling that evangelism is a weakness in my life. And I've been praying for some consistent vehicle or venue where I could do more regular and intentional evangelism. I, I didn't feel right about the Good News Club for me personally. So I've been praying, and maybe like me, you would like to do more evangelism, but there's not a structure for you to fit into. Um, But maybe that same kind of prayer has been on your heart. Um, And just before I went on vacation, uh, Dawn emailed me with a, a burden that was on her heart and that is to more intentionally train ourselves, train TCFers in discipleship with a view to going into people's homes in the neighborhood. Uh, Kendall Whittier families, VBS families, people who visit our church for the first time on a Sunday morning. She noted that most people in the neighborhood will not come to a church on their own, um, that we must go to them. And I thought of this silly little analogy, you know, when Jesus told us that he would make us fishers of men, it's not like the fish uh, come out of, out of the lake, Sardis Lake or, or Ulaga, and kind of make their way waddling down the street to our church and come in and sit in the front row. No, if we want to go catch fish, we've got to hook up our boat, we've got to get all our gear together. We've got to drive, we've got to leave home and go to the lake, and then we drop a line and we get down into their um, world. And I think it's not a bad metaphor that if we're going to really be effective evangelists, we've got to go fishing. Right, Rebecca? Yeah. So... um, The elders discussed these ideas and became very excited about launching a TCF follow-up ministry and class. 
and the purpose will be twofold. It'll be to follow up in homes of Kendall Whittier, VBS, and visiting families to TCF, and it will also be to uh, become sharp axes in evangelism and discipleship instead of, of dull axes. Um, we're going to start this in March. That's going to be the rollout of this ministry. But we didn't want to wait until March to get rolling, so we, we have put a sign up out in the foyer for any who would like to be involved in sort of a, a pilot po project of testing out ideas in, in homes, trying different approaches. Bruce called it beta testing in this world of software, uh, where you work out the bugs before the official launch. Um, so if you'd, like to, uh, if you'd like to be a part of that uh, ministry between now and March, uh, please, please sign up your name, your phone number, and your email out in the north foyer, okay? I hope that excites your spirit. I am really excited to get going on that. Someone once said, out on a limb is where the fruit is. Out on a limb is where the fruit is. Sixth, I'd like to express thankfulness for our nation. Well, the election is over, isn't it? And you're sitting there thinking, oh, Jim, don't talk about the election, perhaps. But my man didn't win. And rather than uh, it just kind of roll off my back like it does so many years, uh, this one uh, hit me very, very hard. Um, I felt like one commentator who said this, he said, I felt like something crawled up inside me and died. But, and I don't want to deny that and just pass that over for those of you who had the same kind of response. Um, but we don't want to, neither though do we want to give our reaction undue uh, force or coddle that grief, do we? Because really our duty to our nation and to God remains the same, doesn't it? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're told. So let's remember that our, our real kingdom is our heavenly kingdom. That is our real home. Secondly, in 1 Timothy 2, we read that we're to pray for our leaders um, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, peti petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And then jumping to verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. I remain thankful for this great nation of ours. And Lord, we do ask a blessing upon our nation. We uh, surrender our nation to you. We do pray for President Obama and all the leaders at the highest level. Father, we ask that you would help them to make wise decisions, that, as Amos prayed, righteousness 
would roll down like water and justice like an ever-flowing stream. Lord, we just thank you and praise you, ask you to continue to bless our great nation in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of all, though, this is number seven. I'm thankful for um, God and for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who rejoices over us, who intercedes for us. He's our burden bearer. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I hope you feel that and know that. He left his heavenly home in glory took on human flesh, he showed us the Father and the kingdom and went to the cross. He suffered and died as a sacrifice for our sins, making peace with God and providing forgiveness of sins. He bore the wrath of God that was resting on you and me. He rose from the dead and enabled the Holy Spirit to come to us And that Holy Spirit is now changing us into the likeness of Christ and preparing us for glory. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. I'm also thankful for his amazing grace. How many of you are still amazed at his grace that saved a wretch like you? Let's, let's hold our hands high. How many are you are still amazed that God has saved a wretch like me? You know, the Salvation Army has a tremendously powerful commercial right now where they use the words of amazing grace to talk about the fact that God is still changing lives. And I would like to end by showing that commercial uh, just a couple times. Um, I mean, you might think, why show it more than once? I think it's just powerful and takes a little bit to sink into our spirit. So we're going to watch this and then we'll get ready uh, for baptism. God bless you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a crackhead, drug addict, alcoholic, math freak, a wretch like me. I once was homeless, broken, sad, just lost. But now I am sober, happy, unfound. Was blind, but now I see. Every day, shattered lives are restored thanks to the goods you donate to the Salvation Army. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a crackhead, drug addict, alcoholic, math freak, a wretch like me. I once was.
lost four hours. Homeless. Broken. Fan. Just lost. But now I am sober. Happy. I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Every day, shattered lives are restored thanks to the goods you donate to the Salvation Army. Now at this time, Chuck's going upstairs to get the first through sixth grade. We'd like to ask the parents with preschool children or kindergarten to uh, go up and get their kids right now as we're making arrangements here for the baptism.